Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Hey, folks. Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further ado. Without further ado. Okay, so without further ado, we're going to get started. We should get started. We're yeah. Rolling. I'm right there. We're, we're, we're going to get started. <laughs> Welcome to the Inner Loop Radio and our special quarantine inspiration series. I'm Abby Newhouse, the Inner Loop's radio intern. These short episodes are here to provide you with inspiration and comfort in a challenging time in all our lives. Maybe writing doesn't feel important to you right now. Maybe you're busier than ever juggling childcare and work, self-care and survival, or maybe it's just too hard to concentrate on anything creative. We're here to help, or at least give you a break. So, turn off the screen on your phone, quiet your mind, take a deep breath, or several. (laughs) Follow me on this creative journey. So I'm going to be honest, I haven't felt super inspired lately. Um, Like my fellow podcasters before me on this show, I'm annoyed at the state of our country on the COVID-19 front. And I've kind of let that negativity take over. But I'm trying to just realize that, you know, being realistic about everything doesn't need to drag me down. So I'm recommitting, (laughs) thanks mostly to working on this podcast, to look around and notice the beautiful things. Um, One positive thing about quarantine is that I really have got to explore parts of my neighborhood in D.C. that I just haven't before. I was just too busy before, just um, completing my MFA, working from home, writing my thesis, and um, I live right next to Dumbarton Oaks Park and Rock Creek Park, but I've just never explored them until now. Um, And so as I've been able to walk around with, you know, my mask on, of course, um, I've just kind of let myself recenter. Uh, I think that's kind of a common theme for a lot of people in quarantine is just being out in nature and just kind of rerouting. Um, something about it has just felt very nice in midst of all this chaos. So basically, just got to say DC is the greatest city in the world. Um, just being able to get out and just one way is the downtown area and then the next way is just this giant park, you know. Um, I just get to leave, leave my phone behind, and then start noticing things in a very Annie Dillard way. <laughs> it's helped me stay creative, even when I don't have time to write. All this time outdoors also has reminded me a lot of my childhood in Utah. We were always outside there, you know, the mountains are your backyard, you know, so we were always camping and hiking and boating and, you know, this led me to, to start working on some auto fiction about growing up in Utah, um, an obviously very conservative state, where we loved nature, but also ignored and even denied climate change. It's the weirdest paradox, and so I wanted to try exploring it in writing. So yeah, as I've been dabbling a little bit with auto fiction, which, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory, but basically a mix of fiction and nonfiction. Um, So, (laughs) but that being said, I've never actually taken a class on it. I just know this genre exists and I want to try it. 
So I decided to go that route for this week's writing prompt. I looked at a couple different prompts from like poets and writers and I had one of my friends from my MFA send me some ideas because she actually did take a class on it. (laughs) And so I kind of meshed all those together and created the idea to write a scene from my childhood, but to change what really happened with what I wish I'd done in that moment. So it's a pretty vague prompt, but I think it's one of those universal things. Everybody thinks about what they should have done or could have done. Um, And so we might as well reimagine that, you know? I found myself even leaning a little bit more to the nonfiction side while writing this. It's a habit I can't break, I guess, since I just graduated after studying nonfiction for three years. But there are elements of fiction in here, so I'll let you determine what's what. (laughs) This piece doesn't have a name yet. It's just part of this little series I've been writing, as I mentioned earlier. But here we go. At our campsite in Logan, Utah, my sister and I were just happy to be out of the car. We wove in and out of trees and figure eights, snuck Pringles out of the can, wandered towards the rushing sound of a river until we were called back. My sister was supposed to help set up the tent. I was supposed to help unload the bread and condiments for lunch. Mom's shoulders rose to her ears while she set out plates, this tense position she wore even when we were supposed to be relaxing. There was always something to think about, always something I hadn't thought enough about. Whenever I got her to laugh in those rare, sacred moments, I felt like we were whole. My sister started crying. She had stumbled, fallen through the netting of our tent. Dad had been tense too, in his own way, grumbling and saying things under his breath that made Mom look at him and say, okay, in her exasperated way, breathy and short. When he got in this mood, he got clumsy. He'd pick up the tent stakes too quickly, and they'd fly out of the bag, and he'd throw his hands up, laugh at the sky, and say, you've got to be kidding me. My sister falling through the tent was all he could take. He didn't usually yell or send us away, but this time he did both. She had ruined the tent. She had complicated everything. She had to sit on a tree stump and cry, just a bit beyond our campsite. I wanted to feel myself walk forward, to grab his hand so he'd look down at me in my ten-year-old body, to make eye contact, brave enough, even though my heart strobed inside of me, and I wanted to say firmly, it was an accident, you don't have to be a jerk. I wanted him to see that the same fire he had inside of him was also inside of me, to see how it reflected. I wanted our time together to not feel so breakable. But I wouldn't do it. Instead, I stared down at the bread and set up a knife by the mayonnaise, opened the cooler so we could grab our drinks. I watched my sister hunched over on the tree stump, her blue jacket crinkling when she breathed in. I started to walk towards her, but my dad's voice yelling, no, stopped me. He said, get back and help mom. And again, I felt this pull inside of me to yell back, to do what I wanted, to hold my sister and glare at my parents. Dad watched me stand and stare at him until I turned back to Mom. I didn't want Dad to do something worse with his anger, like when he smacked the stairs next to me once after I'd broken a plate. He never hit me, and I never actually thought he would, but the sound of his hand hitting the stair, the threat of it, the intimidation, was enough. But worse than that was his apology later, the flowers he brought me at nighttime, him kneeling next to me and crying, asking for my forgiveness. I couldn't decide which version of him was scarier, his scarce moments of anger I couldn't understand, or the moments where he was small and vulnerable. And all of this was a tiny moment, maybe five minutes of the camping trip. We used a zip tie winding in and out of the mesh to hold the netting together on the tent. We closed the canvas door too. There was no threat. My sister ate lunch with us, her smile mixed with her red-rimmed eyes, a poignant return. 
We talked about our plans to raft on the river. We laughed at chipmunks coming near us, asking for crumbs. Mom let her shoulders down. Dad sat back and breathed in the open air, smiling. And at night, we looked at the stars, talked about where we were on the map, where we might spit after brushing our teeth, where each of us would sleep in the tent, our bodies like Tetris pieces, fitting together like there was no other alternative. Whew. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, that piece, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I think there's, I wish that I had gone a little bit more into the fiction realm, you know, like I kind of took the prompt and and did a more nonfiction method where I'm just kind of imagining what I would have done. Um, whereas if, it, if I had leaned more fiction, I would have just made that happen in the piece. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's something to look over and decide kind of what levels of each genre I want to be included. So back when I didn't have a job, I was writing every single day. I was pitching articles. None got picked up, of course. And I was starting on this autofiction book, right? Um, but now I'm at the point where I'm learning so much about my position at my job that I'm very consciously incompetent. So when I'm done with work, I just want to sit and do nothing. Um, I'm hoping that as time goes on, I just get more comfortable with work. Um, and I'll be able to get back into this creativity because I th- keep thinking about what I've heard, you know, all throughout my program and all throughout this whole writing process of life, right? Is that um, the only people who are successful, who make it in the writing world, are the people who keep writing. <laughs> so I can't stop now, <laughs> even for my small excuses, you know? Um, I know that's not the same for everyone, however, and it's good to take breaks sometimes. I just don't want to let that break turn into a habit. And so one of the best ways for me to get in the writing mood is by reading. (laughs) I think a lot of people um, can identify with that, especially poetry. Something something about, you know, that language and that attention to detail really inspires me, even though I'm not a poet, to kind of get into my prose and see what I can do to make it as beautiful as what these poets are doing. It's always good to mix up the genres, right? I guess that's uh, autofiction too. (laughs) So I've got some book recommendations for you. For a good graphic memoir, read Good Talk by Mira Jacob. I read it in about two hours. <laughs> it's about race in America, so it's super timely, and it's always helpful to read different perspectives on the subject. I think it's actually in talks to become a TV show as well, so that's super cool. For a good example of autofiction, read There There by Tommy Orange. I'm sure you've all heard of this one by now. It's in all the bookstores. It's, um, but it's so great. It follows several different characters as they all make their way to a powwow in Oakland. It's heartbreaking. It's beautiful. Um, we all need it. For a good example of flash nonfiction, read Ordinary Trauma by Jennifer Siner. The author uses several flash memories to create one big memoir, and it's like it's just beautiful. It's so beautiful. And it has this central idea of how trauma comes in all shapes and sizes. So yeah, those are some good inspirations for me. I'm still continuing to find new work. And, you know, now that I'm kind of getting used to my life (laughs) post-graduating, I'm going to take my own advice and go write and read some more. So that's our show. Join us every Friday for more writing tips, inspiration, and prompts. Leave a comment or a view or message us on Instagram at the Inner Loop Lit to tell us about your experience with any of our prompts. 
We love to hear what you're up to. And to find out more about us, visit us at theinnerlooplit.org. And when you turn your screen back on, don't forget to hit that subscribe button next to our name. I'm Abby Newhouse for The Inner Loop Radio. Right on.